Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, if it's your first time tuning into uh, Snake Oil Radio, uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. My expertise is in astrology, numerology, uh, tarot, rune stones, all kinds of different oracles that I've worked with for many, many years. Uh, I do private consultations for people here uh, in my home office, Phoenix, Arizona, as well as by phone if you want any information about uh, booking a personal session. Uh, just check my website out, jimventura.com. I'm also an author of a couple of different books as well as a blog columnist. I write a monthly column called Snake Oil, and this is our corresponding radio show. Uh, if you're not already getting my monthly email newsletter, email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com. And I'll add you to the monthly email newsletter mailing list so you can read the columns and uh, kind of in essence read a lot of my books before they go into print, if that's where they originate from. Uh, so if you're interested in that, just uh, again, VenturaSaggyYahoo.com. Okay, so we've got a couple different formats for the different shows that we do. I'm actually going to be doing three different live broadcasts this particular month. Um, today's show is our live column read. I'm going to read this month's current um, new Snake Oil column, uh, and then I'm going to talk about that in some more detail. Um, I won't be taking live calls uh, on today's show, um, just because most of the time people are calling in for uh, five-minute mini-reading shows, and uh, unless someone wants to call in about the subject we're talking about, uh, I'm not going to take live calls for the show because I want to stay on topic. But I've got two other broadcasts this month also to check out. Um, continuing the Michael teachings, if you haven't already caught uh, the first two episodes, uh, go back over and listen to those. Uh, you'll be very happy you did. We're going to continue on next week with talking about um, the dynamic and energy patterns behind soul age and how that influences us. And then I'll be doing an astrology update show toward the end of the month, and that will be uh, a little half show will be an astrology update, and then we will uh, I'll take some live callers. So a couple, you know, I'll pull a rune or a uh, you know a card or two uh, for a quick question for a couple of different callers halfway through the show. So uh, if that's what you're looking for, check that out. Uh, again, you can you know follow me through uh, Blog Talk Radio to know which different shows are coming up. Or, uh, again, just uh, get on the mailing list. Okay, enough sales stuff. Uh, I want to get. Uh, I want to stay on topic today because we've got kind of an important subject to discuss for today's show. Um, I'm going to read this month's column, and uh, I'm going to talk about this in a bit more detail. Um, this is, uh, I, you know, it's funny that uh, I have to would put this in the category of a controversial subject just because it's not a controversial subject, but for some reason, some people perceive it as so, and I did get a couple of uh, people asked to be removed from my mailing list after this one, which I kind of expected, and I'm very proud that they removed themselves because I don't want them on my mailing list if they think uh, in such rigid, unappealing ways. And I, as we talk about today's column, you'll understand kind of a little bit of a dynamic behind that particular issue. And I had wanted to write this column for a very long time, uh, it just the timing was really apropos that it came out because the column is called Icky Sexuality. And I wrote this a couple of months ago, published it in April of this particular month um, in the column. And uh, it was funny because I kept seeing subsequent articles by different authors from Yahoo and other places 
and everyone kept using the word icky uh, very humorously as I was using it. And I, I have to say I got there first because <laughs> uh, I wrote this before I know that. I don't think they read my column. I only, I only reach about 1,500 people, maybe 2,000 people do the column at this point. But uh, I did, I, I'm very proud of being ahead of the curve so to speak, that I, I kind of went with that particular type of expression. So uh, uh, that, that made me happy. I think it's something I've always been able to do with music and things like that. I'm usually kind of ahead of the game on what becomes popular uh, in many cases. But that's an astrological thing, North Node in Gemini. So, uh, uh, again, more on that in an astrology show at some point in the game. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely something that was kind of cool for me. Okay, so let me get to my column here. Uh, let's read the column again. I'm gonna. There's a number of different uh, uh, things I want to add to this, as well as something I posted as well in the uh, column itself. That was a channeled quote that I took. I'm going to read that a little later too. But I want to start off by reading uh, a Snake Oil, uh, Snake Oil 91, which is called Icky Sexuality. A client of mine who was also a Facebook friend posted something recently. When I read it, I literally had to restrain myself from commenting back on the post. It's likely that the post was from her conservative, right-wing, religious husband, whom she shares her Facebook account. It was one of those archaic, prejudiced, homophobic, but disguised as moral posts that asked others to repost if they agreed. Quote, marriage should be between one man and one woman only. End quote. A sappy picture of a glowing ring accompanying, accompanied this touching sentiment. I haven't seen many of these types of posts in the last few years. We are on the brink of gay marriage becoming the law of the land here in the United States. But it becomes law in all 50 states. At this time, it's now legal in 37 states, counting the District of Columbia. God will not be angry and will collapse our civilization as many right-wing religious extremists have over the years threatened would happen. It won't lead to the slippery slope, theorist, bizarre idea that people will marry their dogs and their siblings. It's been legal for over a decade in a number of states and many countries, and it hasn't destroyed heterosexual marriage in any way. One has to wonder why this inevitable shift in society's view of human sexuality and equal rights for all Americans has been and continues to be such a rocky road. There have and will always be four primary variations for human sexual expression. The same categories also apply to most animal species. People are either heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, or asexual. For the most part, sexual orientation is chosen at a higher self-level before birth. Inevitably, in our reincarnational cycles, we will experience all of the variations in different lifetimes as part of our evolution and our innate desire to experience the gifts and challenges each variation offers. Heterosexuality and bisexuality are the most common sexual expressions overall. While bisexuality and homosexuality seems to be growing more commonplace in society, it is only seems that way because it's becoming more socially acceptable to express oneself in either category. Bisexual people in different degrees, ability to see physical attractiveness and fall in love with either, either gender. 
heterosexual people are wired to only be attracted sexually to the opposite sex. Homosexuals are wired only toward an attraction to the same sex. This is somewhat akin to a lifetime of scholarly study with a focus being a desire to understand one's gender not by only being born in that body, but by, by being sexually drawn to the same sex. Asexual people choose not to find themselves drawn to sexual expression at all. While people do sometimes shift from one expression to another, this is more often than not simply coming to terms with their true sexual identities. Many people spend years forcing themselves to experience sexual expression that they are not hardwired for. This is often due to religious and cultural expectations and internal and external shame about conforming to others' expectations. Often, after years of tremendously difficult struggle, they eventually accept the sexual orientation they were meant to experience. Sadly, some never come to terms uh, with who they are and hide their identities or even take their own lives. There are three primary reasons for the confusion that acts as a blocking force people being fearful about comfortably expressing their true sexual identity. The first is the icky factor. When people lack emotional, spiritual, and intellectual maturity, there's a tendency to find something that falls outside of their wiring or range to be distasteful and therefore bad or wrong. This element of human response occurs in cultural, social, religious, economic, and many other areas of our society. People often find those with different body types repulsive. Wealthy people sometimes perceive the poor as less than. Poor people sometimes see the wealthy as less spiritual. People in one race may hate another race. To a lesser extent, but also within groups that have often been marginalized, we see this practice as well. Dark-skinned races sometimes feel being lighter-skinned is better. In the gay community, bisexual people are sometimes scorned and simply seen as greedy. The list of societal examples of what is less desirable are long. Historically, many people chose hiding their true sexual identities if they were not heterosexual simply because they were afraid others would find this to be distasteful. An unfortunate and common theme that's been a major component in our humanity and the sometimes lack of it been a need to prop oneself or the group you belong to up by making others less than. The common practice in ancient Rome was to seize non-Roman people from other countries and cities and use them as slaves. The marriages, families, and general value of these non-Romans were simply irrelevant because they were less than. Part of the pattern behind the belief that gay marriage is wrong and should be illegal was largely due to a similar type of logic. Quote, heterosexuality is the only way the species can procreate and is the one right way, end quote. This logic, of course, is faulty because this would eliminate heterosexual couples who choose or can't procreate and make them invalid. It also invalidates anyone past the child production stage for marriage. Yet it's interesting to observe how homosexual and bisexual people contribute in a larger percentage than average of putting together nearly every aspect of marriage ceremony from wedding gown design, florists, wedding planners, hairdressers, photographers, makeup artists, clergy, service staff, bakers, jewelry design, etc. The number of people that are not specifically heterosexual multiplies noticeably. Behind this has always been a belief that homosexuals are okay if they hide their icky sexuality and act as servants who are not able to participate themselves because they are less men. 
The second culprit blocking people from expressing sexual identity has always been organized religion. In Christianity, Bible passages from the Old Testament that scorn same-sex expression, considered, quote, God's words, end quote, have given people over the ages an opportunity to demonize anyone outside their accepted expressions. Like all spiritual books, the Bible was written by men attempting to interpret spiritual truths. The passages written that suggest God hates non-heterosexual expression were written by men who believed it was achy. So God must think it's icky. Literal interpretations of everything in the Bible would have us still believing slavery is good, women shouldn't speak when men are speaking, women are property, divorce is punishable by death, and a host of other inane atrocities. Unquestionable literal interpretations of Bible passages are not showing faith. Rather, they suggest a lack of understanding. The Bible has been edited, altered, and changed many times over. Most Christians understand this and do not believe every word in the Bible to be unquestionable. It's the crazy ones on the far right who hold tightly to the idea that biblical passages are, word for word, God's words. Third influence that makes alternative sexual expression wrong stems from a combination of the previous two. This includes crazy logic and theories that many cling to as factual. Quote, if gays can marry, what's next, marrying your dog or your sister? Gay marriage will lead to polygamy. Gays molest children. Homosexuals are always trying to convert our children to their way of life. None of these or any other justifications are accurate in any way. They actually fall into the biblical category, Ten Commandments stuff, of bearing false witness against your neighbor. The ones that scream the loudest about perverse behavior often are projecting something from their own shadow side. So hating gays is often hating a part of oneself, even if it is only a small part. An individual who is comfortable and secure in their sexual identity is not concerned about anyone else's. Society is always changing and evolving, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. The Aquarian age we're currently in is about brotherhood and sisterhood and accepting diversity. Most young people are no longer uncomfortable about this subject. Many explore each option themselves until they find a right fit. In this day and age, most people have friends, siblings, parents, teachers, children, teachers, co-workers, and all kinds of people in their lives that are gay or bisexual. Another reason why people are more comfortable with sexual orientations other than their own now is because at one or more levels we fall into categories that others don't like or agree with. The ability to identify and care for the underdogs is growing stronger and more and more people. More people are beginning to see that the idea of someone who is asexual, homosexual, or bisexual must be lacking a moral code is actually propaganda for people who are simply lacking healthy empathy. Change can be scary to people who are stubborn, which is a fear of change. But change is inevitable, and more often than not, a good thing. Gay marriage is often used as a scapegoat reason for why marriage is failing. My friend's husband who posted the marriage post is probably a really nice guy. He, like many other people that are still concerned about gay marriage and heterosexuality being the only right way, simply needs to develop more empathy, maturity, and to recognize icky is truly in the eyes of the beholder. Okay, so that was the column, and now that if you've heard this for the first time, you can probably take a stab at why it had a few people... Um, 
uh, nut jobs get upset about this column, which is really very comical because to me, it's a. Uh, this isn't. A, I'm not writing about theory here. If you take the uh, if you take the, the metaphysical elements of the piece out, which were very minimal actually, it's just kind of scientific fact in a lot of respect. Um, and you know, we're talking about cultural experiences. And, and yes, from a metaphysical angle, and this is a metaphysical show, you will, through reincarnational cycles, you will have lifetimes where you're heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, asexual. You know, the, the, the larger percentage of the population will fall into the categories of um, heterosexual and bisexual. Um, asexual and, and homosexual uh, is less common in terms of ratio for, for multiple reasons. Um, uh, not because it's bad or anything like that. Of course it isn't. Um, it, it's it's unique experience. But uh, I think the most, again, I, I actually think bisexuality is far more commonplace than people would admit. Um, and a lot of people just simply never act on that part of themselves. Uh, I, I think it's far more commonplace. And Kinsey talked about things like that as well, too, from a scientific perspective. But heterosexuality is certainly more common uh, as well, uh, again, uh, asexual and homosexual experience is much more uh, narrowly focused in, in a different type of a context in terms of learning and experience. And again, carry with them gifts and challenges. Uh, ultimately, there are a lot of benefits to being homosexual because the, the wiring is different. The, the, a homosexual man is able to see and understand a female perspective as well as a male perspective in a, in a more enhanced type of a way. Um, and, and asexual people, to avoid the whole subject and not be bothered with it at all, uh, leaves them room to explore many, many other type of dynamics that are, are very powerful as well, too. And I think many people historically who are asexual, you know, they married or they partnered, and, and in many cases they kind of put up with it. You know, but the whole issue about people changing orientations, for the most part, that's baloney. You know, it's not like people don't do it. Um, it is possible. But really, we're kind of wired in one category or another. Again, sometimes people just explore and try on different things at different points. Again, especially when cultural or societal influences are pushing at you that you have to be a certain way. Um, but, you know, the thing of it is, and, and getting into the whole gay marriage issue and all of that, um, and, and, and this carries with a whole other bunch of other subjects to, for us to talk about in, in our short show here. I think, again, the reason that it just causes such a stir for people is it, it's ultimately because, like I said, again, to me, that's why I kind of humorously named this piece Icky Sexuality. It's kind of the icky factor. It's a very um, primitive type of perception of things. And we all go through this even as children. Um, you know, where you know you're in the third grade and you you can't stand the fifth graders, or you know what I mean, or you're you're a you're a goth kid in school and you hate the stoners and you hate the jocks and you you know when we become adults, we're supposed to kind of outgrow a lot of this. But apparently, a lot of people do not. Um, you know, even so, this is the, the turn of the century, the last century, with. Uh, you know, in, in places like New York and Chicago, things like that. The Irish hated the Italians. The Italians hated the Irish. The, you know, this whole this whole bizarro dynamic that that people do and hold on to through tenaciously through lifetimes to me is, is mind-boggling. Um, but you know, I I admit even for myself when I was younger, I bought into some of those stereotypical things 
but I have to say I did it very briefly. Um, you know, sometimes people would tell me things about other races or cultures or things of that nature, and I would decide it was bad or agree with them for a minute or two. But, you know, at the moment I'd read about something that was written from a knowledgeable person or I encountered the people of the group I was told was wrong or bad, of course you instantly are like, okay, that's bullshit. You know, everyone's the same, just just different variations of everyone's striving for happiness and joy. So um, that to me is kind of the crux of this. Uh, but again, you know, I find the timing of this article to be <coughs> a very uh, apropos on multiple levels because um, we, we've had so there's been some controversy in the last week or two. The state of Indiana passed a religious freedom law, which ultimately was enabling um, people to uh, be able to discriminate potentially if they don't want to serve in restaurants or bakeries or things like that, gay or lesbians or cater their weddings or. Huge controversy around that, centered around a pizzeria that said that they wouldn't cater on a gay wedding. Um, you know, I, I, this whole controversy has been going on. And and uh, uh, bring up a couple of points here. When Whenever an element of society, uh, a prejudice, a difficulty, judgment, um, something that's imprinted in larger society is getting ready to leave society, it often becomes uglier before it departs. Um, you know, we saw this in the late 80s and early 90s when it came to things like interracial dating. Um, there were all kinds of hoopla around talk shows and Nazis throwing chairs and on stage and people and vice versa and people who were disgusted with the idea of interracial dating and how wrong it was. You know, again, as I've, I've answered this to people in other shows and other places, you know, even when I was watching this in the late 80s as a, you know, as a 20-year-old, you know, I always kept thinking to myself that whenever you sort of see, like, a black and white couple that got married and, and did, quote-unquote, procreate, the kids were often, like, beautiful, um, genetically kind of attractive and healthy and strong. So I just kind of thought to myself, all this hoopla around it being wrong seems kind of ludicrous since the product that comes out of it, of course, is so amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... I mean, if I'm half Italian, half German in terms of my heritage, and I'm not ugly. You know, I mean, my both my brothers and sisters were you know, a reasonably attractive family. The, the genetics worked very favorably in that way. And again, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, that was considered, quote-unquote, wrong. So, you know, so again, that's what. Often when something, again, is leaving society, it becomes really loud and ugly before it goes. So that's what this whole pizzeria, Indiana law is about. Thank God in Arizona our governor rejected it. Uh, same stupid law, but she did it more for uh, Jan Brewer, did it more because the Super Bowl was coming here and they were, she was fearful they would, they would pull out and not have it here. So it's more from financial reasons. At least she still did the quote-unquote right thing. So the religious freedom bill, of course, is malarkey. You know, ridiculousness on either end. Um, you know, the people, the pizza woman who worked in the pizzeria is saying that she wouldn't cater a gay wedding. Listen, if you say something like that, you're going to get a backlash. Of course, you don't need to even say in the process, what gay couple is going to have their wedding catered by a freaking pizzeria anyway? What straight couple is going to have one? <laughs> Stupid. Unnecessary thing to say. You know, and on the other hand, all the people, the people that wrote them and put bad reviews on Yelp about the pizzeria and threatened to blow them up and all that, you know, seriously. Ridiculousness on the other end as well, too. Overreaction to this dumb woman saying something. <laughs> so... 
although donations to the pizzeria are now over $800,000, of course, from all the right wing giving her money. So it's just horrible. The whole thing is just horrible on both ends. But, again, that's what happens. We have to kind of ugly incidents that kind of transform things. That's the way that it is. And eventually it's excused from society. Now, people still um, are uncomfortable in some ways with interracial dating as an example, but much less so than it was in the 60s and the 70s and the 50s. You know what I mean? It's still an issue for some people, but largely it's a smaller conglomeration of people that think that way. And that's what we're going to see in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Heterosexual, uh, homosexual marriage will become, quote-unquote, normal. Uh, again, it won't shock the foundations of society. People who won't like it just won't get gay married. But in reality, if you're a gay couple and... You go to a bakery and they're very religious and they want to do then go to another bakery. You know what I mean? This is so thing it's just so silly in that sense. But where it all stems from again is what I'm talking about, which is this dynamic behind Iggy. And I think the people that who read my piece and got mad and removed themselves, which is only a couple, I'm um, actually expected more. Um you know, what I think is, I, I do think some people, you know, I, I never want to be known as someone who is putting down Christianity. Because if you listen to me and you talk to me, you know that I absolutely do not. The teachings of Christ are beautiful and powerful. Um, there is, uh, it's an extremely evolved philosophy and point of view. Um, I think most Christians are cool and they're kind, and they are smart enough to know they're not taking everything literal in the Bible. They know some of it is just ridiculous. You've got to kind of look for the deeper meanings and, the, you know, and the, the stronger stories in there and read out some of the crapola. You know, the thing is, it's the same thing with metaphysical stuff. You can read channeled material and great authors, and you meet and see, you're not always going to agree with everything that they say. Um, one of my favorite uh, television personalities is Bill Maher, uh, he does a great show, and I love 90% of the things that Bill Maher say, says, and I love his philosophy and point of view, and I think he's very intelligent, I think he's doing great work. But 10% of the stuff that he says and talks about is baloney. His commit downgrading of all religious and spiritual input is silly. But that doesn't turn me off from watching him. You know what I mean? And this is what's so fascinating to me about human nature. Someone will upset your apple cart, and you've got to kind of toss them out completely. Again, very, very ultimately childish in its behavior. So, yeah, you know, well, we, I think that the Supreme Court's making the decision about this. I'd say it's about a 95% probability it's going to pass. So uh, there'll be a rocky road. Still with that, people will resist it, but ultimately it'll become kind of accepted, and then it'll move into something else for people to be mad and upset about in the long run. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the machine. You know, that's just the way that, that life tends to be, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how one, you want to look at it. So, okay, there was something else I wanted to read. You know, this is a channeled... Um, this is a, uh, a channeled piece that I had taken and put in the newsletter. Um, you know, one of the advantages to getting my newsletter is I also have... Um, you know, there I, I do I do a channeled corner. I do a number of other different types of posts that are kind of add-ons to the um, uh, to the whatever uh, column I've done. Sometimes it's connect, sometimes it doesn't. This one very very much connects. I'd like to read it. Um, it's from a book called Michael's People by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. I'm going to read this 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 brief passage to you. And um, again, that the these are the Michael teachings. This is the other radio show 
um, subject that I'll be doing actually next week that I've been going to be do, doing for a while uh, about the Michael teachings, which were channel teachings from the 70s and the 80s. I believe some of the channels are still channeling Michael. Um, but uh, this is a really awesome piece. Um, I quoted this, uh, and, and you'll see how it kind of interconnects. So let me read this quote, again, from Michael's People by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. Uh, so this is the, uh, the channel piece. It says, um, let us say that chief feature, fear, can be very, 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 very subtle about how it manipulates perceptions of fragments, or another word for individuals. Fear, as we have said many times before, is seductive. It can present the most appealing pictures to disguise the dungeon that is actually the actuality of fear. Most fragments are not truly aware that fear is operating when chief negative feature is at work. Often chief negative feature represents itself as good sense and realistic understanding. Chief negative feature is adept at convincing fragments that essence contact and soul evolution is bad for you and presents itself as protection and support rather than ravening fear. It is most distorted when cloaked in religion. And we would wish to point out that most organized religions have great skill in turning chief negative feature to its advantage. Quote, I cannot love that person because loving that person is immoral. I must not permit that person to interfere with my love affair with God. I must restrict how I relate to people so that sanctity is preserved. I must not be like those people who do things that make me uncomfortable. I must not let others see the sins I've hidden in my soul. person is unacceptable because he or she is unclean, unacceptable, of another faith, of another culture, of an inappropriate group. End quotes. These and many other convincing lies are presented as moral truths. The resultant morbid preoccupation with the forbidden, as well as the thrill of guilt, serves to enmesh the fragment more and more into the hold of chief negative feature. Again, fear. The chief negative feature has the added advantage of never having to reveal itself as a manifestation of fear. In most instances, Fragments caught up in this pattern will not be able to recognize and validate essence contact except in the astral plane. Okay, uh, end of, of this really awesome quote. Now, when, when in the Michael teachings, when they make a reference to fragments, he, he, Michael teachings is a lot about reincarnation and, and about different patterns that we experience. Um, so the reference to fragments is a reminder that, you know, who you are as an individual is, quote, unquote, a fragment of a larger self a higher self, you know, a collection of all yourselves in that sense. You can be as unique as you are. Don't want to weaken anyone's position, but that's why he makes the reference uh, to it being a fragment. So, but he, talk, we, he talks a lot about chief negative feature, which is really fascinating, fear. And, and this is a great piece because, again, like he's saying, <coughs> excuse me, often what people will see fear and 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 they're so fearful, and in this case again, in most cases stubbornness, which is a fear of change, of changes that are coming, that it often masquerade itself as like moral truth or good common sense. So, for instance, when it comes to gay marriage, gay relationships, the most common, one of the big common uh, arguments against it 
are that well, if every if everyone uh, if if gays uh, since gays can't procreate, um, if and everyone follows this, that will end the species in the long run. See, <sighs> this being presented as good common sense, so it's it's presented as retarded. <laughs> You know, and I no attack anyone who's retarded. You know, you know what I'm saying here. So it's spiritually, emotionally retarded. Hey, obviously, not everyone is going to be gay or lesbian, so that's irrelevant anyway. Some people being gay or lesbian, or uh, and not, and also heterosexual people not reproducing is not going to end the species. So that's a weird thing to think too, because I think this is a sort of slippery slope argument. It's almost like if everyone starts doing this, um, then somehow. But more people are going to do it. It, it. The whole idea of it is so ludicrous at every level that it, it absolutely makes no sense, um, even when it's said. And then when, when people battle about this so much and are so uncomfortable about it and say things like that, I always think like it's like we want people to say, well, you chose to be gay. Eh. What, what, what you got up one morning and you chose to be heterosexual is if you were battling at some point between your gay attraction the same sex, but you chose to go a different road. Who the hell did that? <laughs> so it's kind of weird when people say stuff like that. It's such a ludicrous perception of things in the first place, making no sense whatsoever. And again, showing an absolutely functioning lack of empathy. So that, like, that's what he's saying here. Often, this fear of change. Um, it, it, again, it will masquerade itself as good common sense. That's when people say things like that because it's not good common sense. It's absolutely ludicrous and silly. I have a sister that's been happily married for 20-something years, well, reasonably happy. She, her and her husband never had kids. They could have. They, they were there in their late 40s going into the 50s, and they've got a couple of dogs and a couple of cats, and that was just the path that they chose. Them doing that, making that decision, it's not going to make other people necessarily make that decision. People that want to have children are going to have children. You know, and the other argument behind all this that's so funny to me is, you know, it's not like we have a, we have a lack of population problem. If more people don't reproduce, more gay couples marry and adopt kids that were already made in a lot of cases, or you know, sometimes there's surrogacy involved, that's a whole other issue. Um, the, the, the reality of the situation is you know, we, we don't need more people. That's not an issue. The planet is incredibly overpopulated as it is. So, it's, again, it's an idiotic assumption issue in the first place in that sense. But, you know, uh, listen, uh, and, and the other thing about not being able to reproduce for gay and lesbian people is baloney. You can. There's surrogacy. There's multiple ways that this can happen. We, we're not living in, 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 in the 1400s. We live in a different time and a different place. So, of course, this is, a, this is uh, an issue. You know, I saw somebody in the day that posted something about there was a young woman on the internet that was uh, raised by two mothers, and she uh, and the post was about how she was bemoaning how she didn't have a father and how much that influenced her. Now, as a mother herself with a husband and I think two or three children, she still longs for the uh, for and the sadness of not having had a dad. So I had so a few people I saw posted this, and it was sort of like, see, see what happens. <laughs> Again, it, it's so retarded when people do stuff like that. It doesn't even make any sense. One, clearly, she's raised by two mothers, and now she's ha happily married with children. Apparently, the mothers did a good job. Now, listen, in the case of, like, militant lesbians who won't have a male around, then there's a point being made. That's not healthy. 
uh, it's in you, there is a point beyond having male and female influences in your life. That role can be filled by uncles and coaches, teachers and friends of the family. And, and, a, and a wise lesbian couple or gay couple is going to know enough to do that. But listen, some of them are not. But overall, most, I think, would be smart enough to figure that out. That, they, you know, again, the kid's going to need some type of male influence as well. And, and that could be handled in another way. But, you know, this was posted, again, this type of cuckoo logic that clearly because one person's complaining, the whole system is collapsing. And the truth is, if you go to children that, were, were, that, were, that are in foster care systems or orphanages and things of that nature who never had parents in a real way, 99% of them would say in a heartbeat that they would love to have been adopted by a gay or lesbian couple as opposed to being stuck in the system. So that's baloney right there. You know what I mean? Come on. That, that's just, it's just reality. There's so many unwanted children. And, and you know, and, and it has, someone's sexuality has nothing to do with their ability to be a good or bad parent. There are great heterosexual parents. There are crappy ones. There are great gay parents. There are crappy ones. There's no, none, of, none of that is even any bearing whatsoever. And that it's going to traumatize the children. Come on. You know, because even when this man posted this, I kind of got into a little talk. And I had said that, too. I said, you know, this whole idea is so insane because, um, you know, that saying that, that a, a child has to have a mother and father and that is the ideal, yes, in some ways that's true, but it's just not reality. There are single mothers or single fathers that have done an amazing job in raising children. And you denigrate them when you post this type of crap saying that's the only way. It's not the only way. You know, uh, even this is one of the reasons I early on turned away from organized religion um, was because, to me, there were so many things that were contradictory that didn't vibe with me. For instance, even the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. Listen, that makes sense at some levels, except what, are you, how do you, what if you were raised by uh, a mother and father and the father and mother molested you or abused you repeatedly? You're supposed to honor thy father and thy mother. That's a subjective reality for many people. You should be respectful of everyone, but that's kind of a baloney type of a thing. You know what I mean? So to me, you know, I always sort of notice that too, that when people would talk about things like thou shalt not kill, a lot of Christians are really all over killing if, they, if, they, if, if it's God has uh, okayed it. You know, same thing with, with uh, people of... Uh, Muslim faiths and other faiths as well, too. There's a lot of violence. And yet this whole thou shalt not kill thing is it's pretty cut and dry. But apparently no one listens to it. So to me, it's kind of one of the reasons why I had backed away from a lot of the, the teachings of Christianity itself at a young age. And I was raised very strict Catholic. Um, and, and again, and let me reiterate to any of my listeners who are, are somewhat um, religious in some context, you know, listen, there are religious people that are also incredibly spiritual people. There's no question there's some beauty in Catholicism, as there are in all religions. But there are also many people in those religions that aren't spiritual at all. <laughs> and you know it. I mean, I see the same thing in the New Age field in, in, in metaphysics. There's some people that are full of crap. I don't want to be aligned with them, you know. Um, <laughs> so there's always bad apples within any structure, but we don't throw the whole structure out. I mean, so that's why, again, anyone thinks I'm anti-Christian? Absolutely not. And I just have learned so many other philosophies and perspectives that, that fit more for me personally. But I have friends that are Jewish and Christian and things of that nature, but none of them are, are, are against gay marriage or something like that. They're not terrible people. You know? 
seriously. I mean, so anyway, uh, I'm going off on this particular subject, but I think getting back to the original point, um, listen, human sexuality is, is a, is, is, is has, again, these four variants that people experience and that they go through, and that's exactly as it's supposed to be. There are definite benefits that come with, with each type of sexual orienta- orientation. Also, of course, challenges that are inherent within these experiences as well, too. And again, through our reincarnational cycles, we will try them all on at different points in the game. You know, um, let me do another plug here for my Michael Teaching Soul Age show that I'm doing. Um, again, remember, you can any, any shows I've done, you can back listen to. They're all archived. Um, the thing, a lot of this kind of stuff that we see uh, coming up around gay marriage and all the other jazz that's going on, a lot of it is really being heavily pushed by baby souls. So without, again, catch the shows for a little bit more information on this, but baby souls tend to be very rigid in their thinking and very, very, very much part of the baby soul structural cycle in our development is all about developing structural rules. And so we're not talking about babies, literally, guys. We're talking, you know, a 45-year-old man could be a baby soul, six-year-old man, a 13-year-old woman. It's not the designation. It's just giving it a terminology. But their, their job is to create structure. And so when that structure is messed with or pushed, they often become very rebellious, kind of like taking away a toy from a baby when they become very angry and very upset. So it's a big part of where this is coming from. So... The average soul age on the planet now is first level mature. So for a lot of the baby souls that are struggling with this issue about sexuality, um, you know, I, I have a real empathy for them and compassion at the same time. It's very scary to them to see this happening. But what they're not understanding is it's just a fear of change that's scaring them. Gay people, bisexual people, asexual, listen, it's been around since the dawn of time and it will continue to be. Nothing's ever going to change in that way. It's just that for most of them, they don't know gay people. You know, they don't. And that a lot of that came from years and years and years of, of making gay people afraid to show themselves. So, it's, again, it's not like there are more gay or bisexual people. Uh, listen, those are relatively finite numbers. Um, it's just that more people are being comfortable expressing themselves. So this is what seems so terrifying. So when they talk about recruiting uh, you know, gays and lesbians are recruiting, going door to door to recruit, uh, like Jehovah's Witnesses or something, which is funny because Christians were notorious for recruiting. Uh, so, of course, it's all, again, it's all projection. Nobody's doing it because you can't be recruited into a team that you don't, you don't, you don't belong to. Uh, if, even if you do, you're going to go temporarily and you're going to go back to where your natural place takes you. So all this fear around this subject is, again, largely irrelevant. And, but it, it is a scary for them. Um, but it's going to change anyway because, you know, and the thing is they're causing their own demise. Younger people are leaving organized religion in droves. Um, you know, a lot of churches are going to be smart enough and adapt. Some already are. Um, I've said this before, the new pope and Catholicism is awesome. You know, so there's good things that are happening. A lot of religions will adapt. But people are moving away. Younger people are moving away from it. And these type of things are only moving them further away from it. They don't empathize with that type of attack and meanness that that's going on. But again, it comes from icky. So, okay. Uh, looks like I'm down to my last minute here. Boy, this show went really, really fast. A uh, passionate subject for me to talk about, of course. Um, and I wish I could have taken a couple of callers in, but... 
try to get many readings and I like to say on, on subject task for these particular shows because uh, I know people catch them in the archives and want to kind of hear what I had to say about this in more detail. Okay, so I will be here uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, next week and we'll be doing the, uh, up the, the second part of the Michael teachings about soul age. We already talked about infant, baby, young souls. Now we're going to talk about mature and old souls. And as I've said in the show, probably the majority of people that listen to my shows are going to be mature and older souls, maybe a few young mixed in. Babies and infants are probably never going to tune into a show like mine, and that would make sense when you understand the system. So we'll talk more about that. So I'll be back the following week, and we'll be doing a show, and I'll update you guys on what's happening astrologically. And, uh, and I'll take a, a, about three or four uh, mini little quick question calls. So thanks for joining me today. If you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com. Uh, it's a blind copy. Don't want to ever get me an email address for me. It's just done once a month. But it's an awesome column, and uh, I think you'll like it if you're not already getting it. And uh, you'll get access to specials I have for readings and things of that nature as well, too. So anyway, thanks for tuning in today. Wishing everybody the best, and hopefully uh, some more people will get over icky. <laughs> All right, thanks. Cheers.